0: Now, my guest this morning has written a novel that somehow manages to weave hope and beauty through the darkest places. When I read it, I found myself wrestling with some big questions about belonging, family, duty and what it means to really live. Though the Body's Fall is written with such beautiful empathy and insight and it's a real pleasure to have the author in our Cork studio, Nola Regan. Good morning. Morning Brendan. Thank How? you for having me on. Delighted, delighted to have you. I love the book but I want to flag for listeners that this book does deal with some difficult topics such mm-hmm. as suicide. So just want to put that out there that it is it's a, it's quite a grown up read. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, first of all, no, take me into it's our, our, the lead or the protagonist is, is Mihal Burns. Um take me into his world. What kind of life does he lead? Sure.
1: Um I suppose it tells the story of Mihal Burns, as you said, um, who lives alone on his family's land at the end of a headland in Kerry. And there there are cliffs on the land that have been a draw for people who are struggling for years and years. Yeah. And so his parents before him took it upon themselves to help these people, the the visitors as they call them. Uh, to bring them back from the brink. And he also finds himself, he's the last member of his family left on the land, but he's continuing that duty, even as his his sisters look to sell the land.
0: So I saw it described as ordinary people doing the extraordinary, and it's that extraordinary commitment that has the massive impact on the family. Is
1: that correct? Indeed. And it kind of explores the ways in which uh, inherited duty and responsibility can shape uh, characters as well so like what it is to take on something like that uh, such a huge responsibility oh, You
0: just actually made me really think about that inherited duty, that sense of duty and that sense of guilt and that sense of commitment that can be based uh, just handed down to one member of the family. That was a very interesting side to it isn't it?
1: Well that's it and it shapes their three siblings and it shapes each of them differently. You know it, it is told from Michal's point of view but um, his sisters Anya and Saoirse each respond to it in their own way, in very different ways, and um, I, I hope my aim certainly was that you can you feel compassion for each of them and each of the roads they take away from the headland. I have a quote
0: here from the book when she died he grew to understand it empathise even with the compulsion why she sacrificed he's speaking about his mother there obviously and yes. he inherited what she did with the visitors is take them back from the brink I mean it's impo- it's a difficult book not to give too many spoilers away we've got to tiptoe around this right That's it. I, I devoured the book I I uh, it's one of the three books that I slowed down reading because I didn't want to finish it. Um, and there's a couple of scenes in the book which had my heart pounding. Like, it's a really good read. So congratulations. it. I yeah, That's very kind. Uh, but while I was reading it, I felt really connected to the landscape and the folklore storytelling of the region. It's clearly really had a big influence on your work.
1: It has. Um, I suppose, like, a lot of my favourite writers would be kind of writers of place, like the likes of Annie Prue and... Tim Robinson, who writes so beautifully about Connemara and the Aran Islands. And I guess with my own writing, I'm, I'm trying to do something similar to kind of dig down into place and explore the layers of story that can be found there. And I, I think the different meanings that can be put upon place as well. Um, all that's very fascinating to me. Uh, we are
0: untethered from the landscape in modern times, but it shapes us. Another quote,
1: uh, Michal is slightly
0: embarrassed to a degree where he's from because he has a deeper understanding of it. That's fair to say.
1: Yeah, I think he he kind of struggles to feel like he belongs, and I think he he does. He kind of digs into local history and things like that when he returns home in a bid to to ground himself in the place and and to feel like he belongs. Um He says he says yeah. about
0: the visitors as well. They tell the stories in a way I can't. So they he, he they give him kind of a deeper understanding of himself as well.
1: It is and I think it's about connection, trying to find connection with a place but also with other people and and how difficult that can be at times, you know, to to reach across and to bridge that goal.
0: And he goes off to college and he meets the lovely Nadine and she's Mm. a city dweller and she comes to visit and then he starts to see the place through... An outsider's eyes. And you get, and so that's that kind of just to point out that there's this lovely drama within the relationship that unfolds in, in, a, in a brilliant way. I'm not going to say anything else, <laughs> but it's very interesting all of a sudden. And it's kind of like when somebody comes into your own family and you, you, they're like, no, they're really nice, or no, relax, they're not that annoying, they're actually sound. Or, so he, he really responds well to an outsider. And I thought you, 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 the nuance of that was really clever and good.
1: Thanks Brendan. Yeah like I, I think it, it defamiliarizes you doesn't it and it, it, it's with people, it's with your family and, and with the place you come from kind of seeing it with different eyes and everyone has a, a subjective view of of places and you know it's about like where Michal lives and where I'm from like it, it's a gorgeous place and I'm, I feel very lucky to be from there but you know it's about kind of reaching under that sort of postcard beauty as well and, and getting a um some some reality real- as well yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah
0: i mean you, when uh, you when you go down to any of the cliffs and you see some of the signs you get there you're as a dub you're always really kind of shocked now mm. uh, it wasn't the landscape as such that inspired you to start writing though was it i believe you spent time away from home and that got you hooked on writing
1: yeah like i mean i'm i'm from a sports mad family is how you'd put it so like certainly growing up it was you know i didn't want to writing wasn't on my mind for a while. It was, you know, wanting to be the next, like, Morris Fitzgerald or, or Roy <laughs> Keane or, I don't know, Tiger Woods, something like that. And um, Like many young men. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, I really enjoyed all those things. Um, but I remember I went abroad with my parents for the first time when I was 13 or 14. Yeah. We, we just went to this caravan park in France for two weeks. And I think it was the first time, I was ever away from, you know, my usual sporting outlets and, and my Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I remember bringing two books and I was like, okay, I'll I'll read one a week. It'd be grand. And literally I, I read the two of them in a day and a half, I think it was. And I stole my mother's books, read them, stole my father's books, read them. In in 12 days, I think I read seven books. And it just was that first feeling of that kind of immersive magic that reading can give you. Um which, you know, like it is amazing, and I kind of I think I came home from that holiday even then, like only thirteen, fourteen, and was like, okay, this is what I I want to figure out how you can do this, and something clicked in you, very much so, yeah, yeah, and I've been kind of chasing it ever since, and uh, <laughs> twenty years later, here we are with my first book. <laughs> uh, you're still only a young your Grant. That's it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. Um, we get a little nod to the sport obsession as, mm. as Micheal, for Mihal, he's a keen hurler.
1: But in some ways this makes him more of an outsider, doesn't it? It does. Um obviously in Kerry <laughs> uh football is is the main uh sport by a by a country mile. Um so when he, he goes to school in Tralee, so obviously going in with a hurley is is seen as almost a foreign thing and um it does it, it's something that kind of pushes them apart in in town i mean i will say where where he lives like Ballyhigh around there there is a sliver of land where where hurling <laughs> dominates in Kerry but a sliver it, it is a sliver sliver of a slitter. Yeah. it is and <laughs> they they're brilliant um but it it is certainly in school in in the town rather than in the country it um it does push them apart
0: will people in the local area because I know you had your launch last Wednesday mm. will people in the local e- recognise many parts of your writing I, I, uh, metaphorically and physically do you think
1: mm, I hope so I mean that that was certainly an intention of mine was to Were well, you
0: nervous about that that's what I was wondering
1: Yeah yeah definitely um, like I do like I do have a, a deep fondness for the space and I think like one of the main aims of mine was to capture it and capture it in a way that felt mm-hmm. uh, true and accurate to the lived experience at home in, in Kerry. It so yeah, you, you do worry and you do wonder how it's going to be received.
0: Now as, a, as someone from Dublin and I love that part of the world where you write mm-hmm. about and even though there is a bleakness to it, um I really want to go there. <laughs> like you, you still, don't worry, you paint a beautiful picture. Um, Thank you. So take me back to your teenage years. You decide that writing is the dream and you're going to run with it. Yes. yes. Was that a confidence thing or determination thing or where did that come it from? It
1: was a deeply naive thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're chasing your dream.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had no idea whatsoever what that would entail um, other than just like reading as much as I could and, and starting to write a few short stories. I wrote my first novel when I was, I think, 17. Right um which was it was, it was deeply terrible but it was, <laughs> it's you know like you Yeah but you still wrote a novel at 17 I and did that's impressive I did, yeah, no. I did. and it's look you, you look looking back on it of course they're all necessary steps on the journey to it and it, it wasn't so much a failed novel as, as a practice novel is, oh. is how I learned to look at it <laughs>
0: Very good Very good um, Your parents obviously wonderful support I mm. uh, you, you have a quote here from an, uh, an article you, you did saying they could have told me to become an accountant after a career counsellor <laughs> told you you were good at maths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they didn't, did they?
1: Never, not once. No, they've been so encouraging all the way and um I'm very lucky. Look They've just been fantastic.
0: So you've you've a couple of, of brilliant belter quotes. Uh, your dad said, you've only failed when you give up. <laughs> That's it. Brilliant, and isn't
1: it? It is. It is honestly and um it's definitely definitely helped me persevere, which is which is the key for any writer out there, I think.
0: So, you, you write your first novel at 17. You start, and I'm actually thinking, my, my niece is 15 and mm. she's a prolific reader. Uh, mm. It's amazing. And I know she wants to be a crime writer. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to your journey and I'm actually projecting onto her in a way. So, you were very fortunate, though, when you went to UCC, mm. you came into contact with the brilliant writer Claire Keegan. What was oh. that? How did that happen?
1: Yeah, I was. And and that was definitely a key turning point for me. Um, She was writer in residence in UCC uh, while I was an undergraduate. So I had a year and a half of workshops with her. There was a group of us in there. And... um, it was it was invaluable, honestly. I mean, at that point this is going back a while, so she I think she only had one book out at that point. But mm-hmm. it was it's clear people, even people then, know
0: she wrote uh, Foster which inspired the film on Colleen Kuhn. Exactly. And and small things like
1: these, another one of her books. So she yeah. she's yeah, she's amazing, isn't she, she? Oh, she's a genius. And and you got a sense of that at the time. I Did mean Did you really? I, yeah, very much so. Like I <laughs> again kind of that that naivety of, of just learning the trade. And and um, I still remember the shock of like the first few stories she edited and just the, the sea of red <laughs> across the page. Um, Must which, try harder. <laughs> well, no, you know, it it can be tough to, to see and tough to take at first. But then you realise that she's bringing the same intensity of vision to your work than that she does to her own. And so you kind of get to see where you have to try and reach to or like, somewhere close to it anyway and uh, that's that was invaluable and and I learned so much from her so it was it was a key uh turning point for me on uh, the
0: journey and um, she gave you one key piece of advice which I you have on a poster which I'm going to take actually it's brilliant
1: yeah yeah it's um perseverance is key yeah brilliant yeah. absolutely brilliant did you ever
0: experience burnout in pursuit of your dream to be a writer
1: mm i, I think so yeah um there was it was it's been there've been a lot of peaks and, and troughs to it. Like I, I was doing quite well, say ten years ago. I was fortunate enough that like I was having a lot of short stories published. I'd I'd won a couple of awards. I, I even got a residency. So, you know, there was a time there where I was being paid to, to actually be a writer, even Amazing, yeah. Even though there was definitely a sense of imposter syndrome to the whole thing. Was but there? There was, there definitely was. And um I remember after that then I, I had enough money to kind of give myself six months to write and I was like okay now like I've I've ticked all the boxes now is the time to sit down get the novel done and so I rented (laughs) I rented this uh, cottage out near Banna in Kerry the first week of January freezing cold (laughs) it turns out there's a reason why no one rents uh, holiday homes the first week of January I just I just I, I froze basically. <laughs> <laughs> really, I, I managed to stay out there for about two weeks, and I had to come back. It was just—it was too cold, and and the novel idea I was working on at at that time, it just—it just never coalesced. And, and I, I did get a bit. I felt like I I lost pretty much all my momentum, and and I got quite disillusioned. I went back. I had lived in London before that. I went back to London for a time but not really sure what to do like I, I i've worked as an editor but i didn't feel like that was right at that point so i went teaching and and that didn't work so that was definitely a low point yeah so so you worked as an editor tell me about that i mean cuz i it
0: seems that you have injected uh, writing and editing and publishing. It's into your DNA now. So you, mm. you've created the, you created that. It's almost like you did like the world's hardest PhD to get here. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So t- you were an editor for a while. Yeah. Working in yeah. a publishing house.
1: That's did, it. Did uh, that,
0: was that, that helpful maybe?
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like I, I do believe that to be a good writer, you do also need to be a, a good editor like of your work. But like it also helps to edit other people's work just to learn. You learn an awful lot about things like structure and you see a lot of the same mistakes repeat and, and so you begin to see ways in which to, to fix that and stuff. So it's, um, it definitely did help me. I, I will say that you are also drawing from the same creative well, I guess, in, in editing other people's work if you're, if you're editing a lot of manuscripts. So during those years where I was editing full-time, um, my writing kind of fell to a trickle Oh, really? It did. It did a little bit. But then, like, to balance that as well, like, you do feel a real kind of vicarious joy in, in, in helping other writers achieve their dreams, you know, and being able to help bring their books up to their best selves and, and get them out into the world. And, th- and that was that was a thrill. And I suppose
0: it gives you a deeper understanding of the whole process, Mm. And as you said, way to figure things out. But I love this quote you said. You felt like a bad spy. (laughs) That's a great quote.
1: I definitely did at first. I was like, how how do you actually get a book deal? Like, is there is there a formula? And it turns out there isn't. Other than just becoming like working on your craft and working hard.
0: So many people I know um, are are writing at the moment Mm. and trying to write and. I'm holding your beautiful book with your stunning cover, by the way. Oh, it's gorgeous cover,
1: actually. Oh. Dublin illustrator, um, I don't Jack Smith, I believe it is. Yes, that, yeah, fa- yeah. just fantastic cover. Thrilled with it.
0: No, it's stunning. Uh, so, what would be your like top three tips if somebody wants to get their book? Published, or would you say do your first one self-published what what would your tip be now on this side of on this side of your experience?
1: um just to to get a book done is it or to get it published?
0: I suppose to get it done
1: yeah, first yeah well, like the key for me, I find is if you can if you can even just cut twenty minutes out of your day, thirty minutes an hour would be fantastic. but honestly, if you're just sitting down to the project every day, if you're staying in the world of the project it really keeps it fresh in your head and you'd be surprised at how quickly something does build up of words like it so that's key i think trying to stay in it because if you move away from it, it it can flatten in your mind and on the page i think that would be a key point um read as much as you can i mean it, it's almost a cliche but and read widely too i would say you know don't just read all the same type of book
0: Listen, uh, I, I thoroughly, I love the book. I couldn't recommend it enough. Thanks, 25 Brent. stars for me, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Though the Body's Fault. It's out now. Is that correct?
1: It is, yeah. It's the all Good Bookshops. All
0: Good Bookshops. Uh, Nola Regan and the best of luck with your next book.
1: Thanks, Brendan. Thank hopefully you not so another much. 20 years. <laughs> uh, and
0: hopefully not another 20 years. I'm sure we'll be hearing from you much sooner than that. Nola Regan, thanks so much for your time. Let's uh, take a little ad break.